0: Unconstant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. Beyond the game. Beyond the game.
1: Oh, I heard that
2: so much. The most well-known, the best-looking, the best-dressed. Yeah, we're not
3: quite as good as what we
2: think we are. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like
0: that? That's the dumbest thing I could think of. You guys are so young and stupid. No idea who you're talking about.
2: Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. We would be honored if you would
0: join us. Welcome to Beyond the Game. Happy Christmas weekend to you. I'm Rick Benson, and I'm joined by our producer, Zach Barletta. Beyond the Game is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can always give them a call, 585-426-5024. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Remember, you can interact with the program on Twitter, at BTGProgram. Or by visiting our website, bggprogram.com. We have a best of show for you this week and next week. We're going to play some of our favorite segments, our favorite interviews over the last, uh, I don't know, year or so. Although one of these interviews we go way back into the archives for. We're, uh, we're just in putting a show together, Zach and I, to, we're, and then we're going to get right back to our families and take a little time and, just enjoy the vacation, thus, the best of shows. So let's get right to it, Zach. One of the first interviews we want we did was Kevin Malone. Kevin has been on a number of missions trips that I've been on. Uh, a guy I've gotten to know really enjoy. he was the
1: used to be the general, general manager of the Dodgers.
0: Dodgers Expos, Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, he was general manager when the Expos had that great run in ninety four He was with the Baltimore Orioles for a while. And Kevin is a, Kevin loves the Lord, loves to serve. And he did a segment, which, by the way, any of these segments, any of these interviews can be found at our website. Once again, that's btgprogram.com. But Kevin did a segment on human trafficking that I thought was really, it was really relevant.
1: And it was very powerful. And actually, after it aired the first time on the radio, A listener got in touch with us and asked, how can I get involved in fighting human trafficking? We were able to partner him with Kevin's organization. And as far as we know, that listener is involved in the fight now against human trafficking.
0: Here's that interview from way back when, one of the first interviews we did with Kevin Malone.
1: Kevin Malone is the
0: former general manager of the Montreal Expos and of the Los Angeles Dodger. And he joins us now on the Town & Country phone line. He is also someone who has traveled to different parts of the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Welcome, Kevin. I'm glad you could join us.
2: Hey, Rick, you guys. It's good to be on the show. As a matter of fact, I've been traveling all over the place and uh, trying to fight human trafficking. You know, it's, it's a big problem, not only internationally, but as well in the USA, and trying to see what I can do to help uh, prevent human trafficking, the domestic trafficking of minor girls and sex slavery and Trying to strengthen the laws and provide some restoration and healing uh, facilities for these for these girls. So there's a lot of work to do. So I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Well,
0: Kevin, thank you for your ministry. We're here in uh, Rochester, New York. Uh, I know after being drafted by the Indians, you traveled huh. around our neck of the woods here in Western New York, yeah, Batavia, I, I Auburn, lived the Jamestown up there
2: in uh, in Jamestown, New York, and uh, enjoyed my stay there in fact I played in Batavia New York and then uh, my first season in pro ball and then I coached in Jamestown so I'm not far from from you guys and I, I spent some time in in Rochester and around the, around that area got some friends that live in Utica New York so that's uh
0: right. it's
2: a small world but a beautiful part of the country and, uh, and I miss miss getting back there more often.
0: Kevin, I was going to ask you what you're into now, but, you know, you would mention what you're doing there, just uh, traveling around with uh, preventing sex trade industry. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your ministry, what you're involved in?
2: Well, I appreciate you asking. I think what people need to know, any of your listeners, is that we've got an epidemic problem in the United States with USA girls, American girls, being trafficked, 17 and under. They're not prostitutes. They're, they're they're basically slaves. Uh, there's chimps that are that are basically uh, you know snatching uh, girls 17 and under and, and forcing them in, into uh, you know se- se- to do sex acts, sex slaves. It's happening all over America. It's happening not only in the poor areas of, of U.S. cities. It's happening in middle America, upper middle class, wealthy families. It's a problem, and I think. Uh, Men need to realize it. Women, you know, families need to know that our daughters, our granddaughters are at great risk. And uh, it's become such a lucrative business. It's a $32 billion a year global uh, business. And uh, we need to be aware. It's not just happening in the Philippines and Thailand and Cambodia. It's happening in the United States. And uh, we, uh, we need to be aware of it.
0: Yeah, you mentioned those foreign countries. And we think when we hear of this, we think of them. Uh, being taken, but you it's happening here in the United States. Is there, is there hot pockets of that? Are there areas that are more, well, it's concerning? interesting. I
2: think it's sometimes, it's a great question. Sometimes it's sector related. Uh, you know, the truck stops around America have become, uh, a big problem and they come cause some of these girls, uh, lot lizards, uh, which is disgusting in, in and of itself to be classified that way. But, you know, truck stops there. there's some issues there. So people that, they're going through truck stocks. Be aware of young girls that are possibly being trafficked in those areas. You know, the, some of the oil, oil fields, uh, uh North Dakota, uh, you know, these places spring up and there's, you know, 30, 40,000 men living in a community and they're, they're doing a, the, the oil business. Uh, it, it, it happens in places like that. It happens around the Super Bowls, the rodeos, you know, World Cup. So major events where there's a lot of men that come together. Um, this is occurring, but, you know, it's in big cities, it's in small cities, it's in, you know, south, the Midwest, the Northeast, the West, it's all over America. And, you know, it, it, it's happening in suburbia that, uh, you know, that, you know, there could possibly be, you know, young girls being, uh, trafficked, uh, you know, right down the street or maybe even next door. So, uh, it, it's just, it, awareness needs to be, uh, to be, you know, thought about and, and, and looked out for. And then there's some action. There's some things to do. There's hotlines. There's different organizations, NGOs, ministries that are fighting human trafficking. And you know, there's there, they say there's over 25 million people that are you know enslaved right now. It's modern day slavery, not just sex slavery. There's labor slavery, but uh, you know, it's it's growing. It's a big problem, and and we just need to be aware of it. And people need to you know try to try to stop it. I think there's a call to action and this is breaking God's heart, and I think we as followers of the Lord need to, need to you know, need to respond. Uh,
0: you know, it's terrifying. Uh, I have a college-age daughter. My co-hosts have uh, young, young girls. Uh, we talked last week. We were talking about Stuart Scott and uh, the ESPY Awards and, you know, the love he showed for his daughter. Uh, what can we do? Yeah, but what can the common person do to help? I mean, obviously prayer sticks out, but apart from that, how can one get that's involved? That's a great
2: question. That's another great question. You guys have good questions. I think what we can do is, I think you can find out who locally, if it's a ministry, if it's an NGO, if there's organizations that are, are fighting human trafficking. Find out who's doing what in your local communities. Uh, you know, there's a lot of websites now that people can go on. Uh, and, and find out who's doing what. Uh, there's a, there's some awareness groups out there. Uh, uh, there's there's just there's a lot of collaborative uh, task forces being put together. Local law enforcement usually uh, you know they're doing their job and they're they're involved in fighting it. But uh, you know I, I think with, it just depends on the particular area as to what's going on and, and how you can get involved. But there is opportunities for people if it's Donating their time to call maybe congressmen, politicians, to maybe change some laws to make it, uh, much more severe on, on, these, on these Johns, on these rapists. Uh, that could be one thing. Uh, grassroots efforts getting, maybe if you're at a church, getting your church, uh, involved. There's services that are needed to be provided for these, these girls that are coming out of what they call the game. Uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of needs for these young girls, uh, so there's preventative measures, there's uh, restoration measures, there's there's a lot that can be done, and and that's a great question as I said because everyone has the ability to to help and make a difference. It's just a matter of being willing and open to do something. and Yeah, this is a great evil. It's unconscionable. It's hard to think about, but it is happening uh, in, in in our neighborhoods, and and if if someone uh, is interested in, in in making a difference. Uh, they can find out who locally is, is doing things and get involved with them and, uh, and, and help out and, and really step forward and make a difference.
0: We're joined by Kevin Malone. Kevin, praise the Lord for uh, your involvement. Are you able to talk uh, specifically about what it is? You're going into other countries uh, and
2: traveling well, all I'm, about. Well, I'm, I'm getting involved in some other countries. I've been in Thailand. I've been in Costa Rica. But my focus is really on the United States because of what's happening here. You know, I'm involved in Los Angeles and a collaborative initiative to bring together law enforcement, politicians, churches, NGOs, ministries to work together, to collaborate, to find out what are the gaps in the services. You know, we need facilities, places, uh, short term, like rescue assessment centers where girls can go once that, uh, you know, they're rescued and then they're, you know, they can go and start to get immediate help and treatment and then long term facilities where, where these girls can go to recover and you know, it's a, it's a three or four year healing process with a lot of, uh, counseling and a lot of medical and needs that, 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 need to be, uh, that they need to receive. Uh, so I'm involved with the ministry in, 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 California called Faces. It's freeing American children from exploitation and sexual slavery. I'm involved with the ministry in Tampa Bay area called the Florida Dream Center. And we are, uh, involved in fighting human trafficking. And, again, the Bedrock Creek uh, uh, Initiative I mentioned earlier is CARE 18LA, and we're doing collabor- taking collaborative measures to get people united so that we can accomplish more as a, you know, we're fighting this together than as an individual or, or just one just organization. So uh, spending a lot of time with it, uh, uh, traveling around the United States, uh, Working through different ministries in, in, in the the Los Angeles Dream Center, Florida Dream Center, as I mentioned. And there's some churches involved in this and there's, you know, to try to fight this. So, uh, if someone's looking to get involved and make a difference, but I would just again, you know, as a warning to all fathers, grandfathers, uncles, brothers, this is, it's, this is happening, uh, you know, right next door or in your neighborhood. And please don't wait till it hits, you know, too close to home before you're aware of what's going on and get the word out that uh, it's something that we need to, to take seriously because it's happening
0: you can tell we went way back in the archives that audio way back then it was different i don't know of course we were at a different station yeah, then
1: i did not produce that you so did so not you know.
0: produce that but it sounds like i hadn't even reached puberty yet that's how long ago it <laughs> and was. maybe had a head cold I had like little little kid <laughs> voice that was our interview with Kevin Malone. You're listening to Beyond the Game. We'll be back right after the break. Hey, let me ask you, are you still seeing those pesky stink bugs around your home? Though the weather has been a little milder than normal, if you're still seeing them, it may mean that they found a home with you. Listen, call town and country pest solutions today and they will take care of the problem and they'll do it quickly, professionally, and affordably seeing too many spiders around the house call town and country other creepy crawly things move in out of the weather call town and country larger noises coming from the attic walls or basement call town and country pest solutions today at 426-5024 that's 426-5024 and when an emergency rodent or animal control situation finds you town and country is ready to handle whatever pest problem you may have remember Town & Country fears nothing but God. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions at 426 or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Welcome back to Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. Back in October, we did a we did a segment on Lamar Odom, which is just a tragic situation. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, remember. We'll talk a little bit about it in the segment. But Lamar was so caught up in being part of the Lakers, and reports are from a number of people that who knew him was that that started the downward cycle for Lamar, when he was no longer part of the Lakers, when he no longer had that identity. And in the segment that we did back in October, we talked about the importance of wrapping our identity in Christ, who died on the cross for us. So let's play that segment we did regarding Lamar Odom. Reports over the last few days are that Lamar Odom and Khloe Kardashian have agreed to call off their divorce. The reality star had filed for divorce from Odom in December of 2013. However, the couple actually only signed those papers this past summer, and in fact, the separation had not even been finalized. And apparently, since Odom was rushed to the hospital on October 13th, Kardashian is reported to have been by his side, and it's been revealed that she's never discarded the former Lakers' last name. Now, I'm hoping this is... Uh, not some kind of media stunt where reality television low life's are not just seizing an opportunity to exploit the Odom situation in exchange for higher ratings. I I mean I feel a little sleazy even mentioning that possibility, but it but when it becomes comes to this particular family, I don't I, I don't put anything past them, and frankly you just never know, especially when the news of the reconciliation is reported in the same breath as is the emotional reaction of recent boyfriend James Harden. I've heard just as much about his reaction to this as I have about um Odom and Kardashian. This is a sad, sad story. As you're probably aware, former NBA star Lamar Odom was found unconscious in a brothel outside Las Vegas. You know, we said earlier on the program, be sure your sin will find you out. Let me tell you, that's not how you want to be found out, right? I mean, that's nope. the owner of the brothel who, by the way, his name, his business name has been in the media a little more than what would seem comfortable or even appropriate. It's almost as like he's getting a little run on this, too. And I don't know that to be true, but it seems it. And it's just it's a little creepy. He said that o- uh, Odom paid 75000 for the company of two women for a three-day stay. There are reports that he took as many as 10 herbal male performance-enhancing supplements, while the reports also include the possibility that he'd been using cocaine as well. Odom is said to be recovering remarkably, and in recent days has been up and able to take a few steps. Obviously, I hope the best for Lamar Odom. I hope the people he chooses to surround himself with are people who sincerely care for his well-being and will support him through what will be a Certainly a long recovery and a rehab. Lamar Odom has enjoyed success. He won two NBA championships. He won the sixth Man of the Year Award. He's made millions of dollars. But he's also known pain. His mother passed away when he was 12. He lost a six-month-old son to SIDS in 2006. Only a year or so ago, he lost a friend to an overdose. Uh, Listening to one person who says they know Odom well, says that everything started to change for Odom when the Lakers traded him to Dallas. That the downhill spiral started when he was traded to Dallas. That's not intended to indict the Lakers in any way. Obviously, they have a franchise to run, and trades are made all the time in professional sports. But Lamar Odom is said to have loved being an L.A. Laker. He loved playing with Kobe. He loved the L.A. lifestyle, all the attention and credibility that comes with being a member of the Lakers. The blame, the problem, it is suggested, is that Lamar's Lamar Odom's identity was wrapped up in being an L.A. Laker, and when that was taken away, that is, that's when things began to unravel. That's when the marriage problems started. Everyone who everyone who knew him that was interviewed would say, "What a kind, generous, sweet person, outgoing, funny, just 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 a good guy." Nobody's got a bad word to say about him. And those traits began to be a little less obvious in Odom's life after the trade. That's not to say that he's his being traded caused his problems or were the impetus to them, but seemed to be what made whatever his problems were that much more apparent and perhaps even more prominent. I like to use that that situation there to segue into really a practical application for you and I. We live in a world full of people who feel as though they don't fit in all around us. I mean, the suicide situations we hear about, and there's so many of them, seems to be going up all the time. People just don't feel like they fit in. Many people are searching for a sense of belonging to someone or something. They want uh, they want something with which to identify. And uh, unfortunately, too many of them gain their identity from anything from fashion trends, acceptance by peers, even being included by those who, engage in drugs or giving of them sexual sexually whatever it takes to be included or accepted by a group of people everybody wants to be accepted and when they they don't feel their own self identity is enough they go looking for satisfaction elsewhere satan of course knows this and he lays traps of temptation before us even many christians gain their identity more from their family backgrounds or jobs or relationships rather than than from who they are in Christ. Today we see many who identify more with with an image of who they would like to be as opposed to who they are in Christ. An example I can think of would be, think of Christian hipsters. I'm not picking on every Christian hipster, but many of these folks, are. it's more important to be identified with that image of cool, whatever, uh, than it is to be identified in Christ as really nothing more than a sinner saved by grace. The Apostle Paul emphasized this point that we're in Christ throughout his epistles. Uh, I won't read the chapter, of course, but you can go read Ephesians chapter 1 for yourself as just one example. Lamar Odom may have have seen too much pain and, and too many troubles in his life. Perhaps for him, being part of the L.A. Lakers and their championship status allowed him to identify as something more than deep down he really felt he was. But without that association, he didn't have enough value in his own eyes. And for believers, sometimes we feel that we are less than what God says we are. But in Christ, we are significant. And in Christ, we are sufficient. When Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. He died there to put, out, put to death our, our old self. He died to, to enable us to receive his life. As we surrender to him, he gives us his life in exchange for ours. He becomes our life. We live by his life. He is in us and we are in him and now we live this this new life. We are a new creature. His righteousness is made ours. When God looks at us, he sees us in Christ. As we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we speak as he spoke. We act as he acted. As we diminish, he increases. As we let go of our understanding, our faith grows. As his trust is proven again and again. As we acknowledge our weakness, he has shown powerful, and that power, his power, is magnified in us. The goal of the enemy, the goal of the devil, is to steal the identity of believers. Ephesians 6, 10, 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. I, I know at times even the strongest of us, the best of us, we have moments of doubt. We have moments of weakness when we just I don't perhaps feel frightened and insecure. The temptation is there to run to sex, to drugs, to alcohol, to maybe its success in sports or any number of things to bring satisfaction, comfort, a sense of belonging. But Jesus Christ stands there waiting for us to run to him to remember that he thought us worthy and loved each of us so much to give his life on the cross so that we would one day be with him for the rest of eternity. That's the true source of comfort and peace, to be identified with Christ. As we head towards the break, let me leave you with one more verse. This is Philippians 4.7. It says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I feel for Lamar Odom, but there's so many more people like him that they don't know where to turn. They don't know what to place their identity in. They're not comfortable with who or what they are, so they turn to any number of things, drugs, sex, for, for satisfaction and comfort, when that comfort is found in Jesus Christ. That's a segment we did regarding Lamar Odom back from October. This is a best-of show. where We're playing some of our favorite interviews, some of our favorite segments. And there was a rather humorous account where Darren ran into some guy at a convenience store. Remember, that guy just hated us.
1: Yeah, and me in particular.
0: Yeah, he, he seemed to remember you, though. Here's that segment we did. This is from back in September of this year. We all think we're hot stuff here at Benson and those guys. We are. In fact, we take credit for a lot of good things that happen to other people as a result from coming into contact with our show. But apparently, we're not the cat's pajamas. We're not. We're not the bee's knees. All that and a bag of chips. We're we're not those things. Apparently, we're pretty awful. Because Darren, you ran into somebody in in a a convenience store of all places. You ran into this very successful individual.
4: He might be listening, so be careful. I'm I, I'm working the other day. I'm in one of my stores, and, and the guy, the, one of the employees, I built a friendship with. He listens to the show. He has it playing on Saturday morning. So thanks, thanks for your support. He does it in the store because he has to work. So we always talk sports. And we're talking sports. He's asking about the show, and, and and a guy that's checking out. Think like to paint a picture. Think like biker dude meets meets construction worker with a, with a little bit of a homeless vibe. Right? Not. Not the best looking character, right? So, a CEO type character? Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, buttoned up all day. So, he, he, very politely interrupts. He's like, Oh, you guys like sports? I like sports. And so then I, I, I actually kind of feel bad for my initial judgment of him and, and his looks. I'm like, Oh, this is a nice guy. Cause you, you're, you're on the radio. I was like, Yeah, you know, I'm on a show called Benson and those guys. Man, his face immediately turned just so so red, I thought it was just going to explode, right? And he just goes off on me on how (laughs) bad, well, at first he goes, ooh, is that Jesus blank show? And I'm like, yeah, I think you got the right show, but there's not too many of those out there. And man, he lost it. I've never seen anyone use so many four-letter words, mostly the F-bomb in such a short amount of time. Like, I have never been cursed out that bad in my life. He knew Zach by name. Like, that Zach guy is so boring. He sucks. He's terrible. And I'm like, man, he's really landed on Zach. How does he even know Zach's name? First of all, right? That was nothing compared to the stuff that I, that he said about you and I that I can't even say on the radio. <laughs> like, he has basically to sum it up, he has more talent in his, in his, in his nether regions, his, specifically his left nether region than you, Benson, have <laughs> in your entire body. My rants are not funny and I should kill myself. And I also do some other things. He, he told, uh, he told me that we could do something to him that I'm 100% sure none of us want to do. Like, he went off. I have never seen anything like this, and the entire time I'm just laughing. Because this is hands down the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Because, yes, my mom and my wife and your wife and Zach's mom and wife, they, yeah, you guys are great. You're doing awesome. But man, to hear somebody hate us like this, that's, that's real. That is legitimate criticism and it was awesome and I loved it and I feel like we've arrived.
1: My takeaway from this story is at least this guy listens pretty regularly. <laughs> yeah, he knows all of our names.
0: Exactly right. He knew who, who you were and he didn't know our names, but he knew our, our roles on the show. So mm-hmm. he's obviously familiar and he might be accurate. He probably does have more talent than I, I'm not, <laughs> that doesn't bother me at all. We're taking an opportunity to do something that is, I think, fairly unique. There's not a lot of faith based sports programs out there, and we're taking this opportunity to uh, to glorify God through sports. And I think it's kind of cool. And I think that's the thing that you said in your story. He immediately jumped out on the fact that it was at Jesus' show. And I just want to use this verse, John fifteen eighteen. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. And in verse 19 says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates me. Praise the Lord for that. I think the fact that we're talking about Jesus on the show is just, that's what he hates. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe we don't have the talent that he would like us to have. I'm sure we don't. We're, <laughs> we're just, we're, Speak we're, for yourself. Yeah, we ha- we're sports fans, man. We got a show. We're happy with it. We're having a good time. But the thing he hates is not the lack of talent, or or it's the content. It's the talking about Jesus, and praise the Lord for that. You're listening to a Best Of edition of Beyond the Game. Coming up after the break, we're going to play a few more of our favorite interviews, favorite segments. We're also going to take a couple of moments to talk about our favorite movie franchises of all time. If you listened to last week's show, you remember we did the Star Wars show. If you missed it, you can go back online, BTG Program, and get that, and we'll find out how high on our list is the Star Wars franchise. This is Beyond the Game, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. The The new self-titled album from the Derringers Derringers is now available on iTunes and Spotify. With haunting lyrics which reveal the passion behind each song, their harmonies and acoustic styling blend together superbly for a unique sound that feels like home. Download the Derringers today. The five-song EP is just $4.95 and available now on iTunes and Spotify.
1: McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows and for exterior and interior remodels no one beats their personal and professional service call mcafee's remodeling at 585-402-1070 that's 585-402-1070 or visit them online at com.
0: Welcome back to Beyond the Game, shows brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. You can find them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. So Zach posted not too long ago, he gave a list of his favorite franchise movies of all time, Mm -hmm. which obviously sparked a conversation because at the top
1: of your list was The Lord of the Rings slash The Hobbit films. Which I lump together because they're in the same world, but The Hobbit really could be cut off that.
0: Yeah. See, that, that, that is the problem in doing wow. a top five movie franchises of all times. It's like picking a favorite song or mm-hmm. picking an all time favorite movie. Well, that's tough. You might have your favorite, um, contemporary song. You might have your favorite oldie song. You might have your favorite comedy movie, favorite action movie. It's mm-hmm. hard to lump them together. So, As we're going back and forth, Indiana Jones immediately jumps to the top of my list. I knew it would. But, you know, how do you explain away Temple of Doom? You know, that's going to be one of the greater franchises of all time for me. But there is Temple of Doom, and it kind of takes away. So I'll just explain it away that Raiders of the Lost Ark was so stinking good that it makes up for That and Last Crusade, Last Crusade, excuse me, was was very very good. The The Crystal Skull, I could take it or leave it. wasn't great. wasn't as bad as Temple of Doom, but what is? So Indiana Jones would jump up there. Star Wars would jump up there. The one that's in theaters now is so great.
1: In fact, we just got done seeing it a second time.
0: Yeah, okay, on IMAX in three D because. Oh
1: yeah, (laughs) it's we're basically fangirls about it. But
0: so here's the other problem I have. I'd love to put James Bond, but there's there's a ton of them, and you'd have to explain away the Roger Moore years. If I could take just <laughs> Daniel Craig and Sean Connery, well then I could say that's one of my. F- I'm going to give you Indiana Jones. I'm going to give you Star Wars. Lord of the Rings is is in my group, but I don't want the Hobbit in there. That's I fair. don't want the Hobbit movies. Just the Lord of fair. the Ring movie, and then the Die Hard franchises. Oh yeah, Die Hards are Yippee-ki-yay. Yeah. You know, not always something you'd watch with your children, but, no. um, you know, listen, a lot of stuff gets blown up, and what guy doesn't okay. like that? I've
1: had this discussion with somebody recently. Is Die Hard a Christmas oh, absolutely. movie or not? It's a Christmas it's movie. It's a Christmas absolutely. movie? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
0: It's not Christmas until you see somebody fall off Nagatami <laughs> yeah. Towers or whatever it's called.
1: <laughs> I had the Die Hard as an honorable mention. I couldn't get them into my top five. And I so far we're similar. Lord of the Rings number one, Harry Potter number two, Star Wars was number three for me. Yeah, Harry Potter's are pretty good too. And there's so many of them and they're all good. Yeah. There's yeah. not a single bad one. There's-
0: this is, this is what makes this task you've started so difficult. <laughs> because how do you narrow it down? Godzilla. All those Godzilla movies. Oh my goodness. You know, how do you leave that out? Um. There's just there's so many the, the pink panther the pink the jaws the pink panthers terrific films cloudy with a chance of meatballs
1: oh my gosh those are good <laughs> the dirty harry films oh those are so good
0: yeah uh, how do you how do you narrow the it lethal down lethal weapons zach you just got us going on a on one of those endless loops yeah. here that is is impossible but I'm gonna say Indiana Jones Star Wars James Bond, Takeaway, Roger Moore years, mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings, and Die Hard would probably be my top five franchises. Those are all great. Time.
1: My top five is rounded out by the Jurassic Park films, even with Jurassic Park 3, which is awful, and the Dark Knight trilogy.
0: We're we're going to be on this forever. We better give that. We're doing a best of show. Okay. We've got a couple more of our favorite interviews, favorite um, segments that we've done. Because basically, we're only in the studio for a little while here to put this show together so we can get back to our families as we're taking this Christmas break. We hope you've had a great Christmas. One of the topics that w- raged in sports not too long ago was the topic of whether or not publicly funded universities should feature team chaplains who have access to the players. So we talked with Mark Propelia about the about the subject. Mark is not only the team chaplain for the Buffalo Sabres and the Rochester Americans, but he works with Nazareth College and RIT, and we asked him about this issue of giving team chaplains access to the players, and here's what he had to say in this interview from September. Joining us once again is Mark Propilia. Mark is with Hockey Ministries International. He serves as the team chaplain to the Buffalo Sabres, the Rochester Americans, as well as both RIT and Nazareth College. Mark, welcome back to the program. Glad to have you with us.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Mark, we've been talking about the Freedom From Religion Foundation. They've sent letters to at least 15 universities asking them to abolish the chaplaincy positions amongst at least their football teams. Being a chaplain who serves two different schools, are you surprised by that request? And did you ever wonder in the back of your mind if or when such an attack would come?
3: You know what? Actually, I'm not surprised uh, just because sort of the spirit of the age and uh, where our country is heading, the direction that we're going. I'm surprised at why they want it uh, removed, because I think their their concerns are actually ill-founded. But the fact that they want it removed, and that, that will probably continue, uh, that actually doesn't surprise me.
0: The basis for the complaint is basically that chaplains are given a unique access to the team, which allows them an opportunity to try to convert non-Christians. Now, it would seem to me that most of your time would be spent working with those who already believe. I mean, of course, you're going to have some opportunity to evangelize, but do you have many non-Christians take part in your chapel services?
3: Uh, yeah, certainly it's uh, it's heavier on those who believe, but uh, quite frankly, I have everybody. I have people who are definitely believers. I have people who are not believers. I have people who are just, uh, you know, another guy in, in the chapel is their ride. So they're sitting in just to waste time. I have guys who are just curious. I have guys who don't know what they are. I have guys who are bored and guys who are seeking. I've got uh, really uh, all across the board, but no, I mean, it's funny. I wish, I wish this group could hang out with me for a little bit and see how sort of irrelevant I am to the program. (laughs) I mean, I really just sit off in a corner and just wait, you know, the guys know I'm there and if they want to show up, they show up. But there's uh, this, this sort of aggressive evangelism uh, that they're also scared of uh, that doesn't happen. The spirit of God works undercover, so to speak. I mean, he doesn't need the, uh, the flash or the attention and you never know what he's doing, but from from a strictly like tangible point of view, I'm so irrelevant to these teams. It's just funny that they think like, I, I got some sort of power <laughs> over these players. I got, I got nothing. I stand in a corner and hope somebody shows up. Um, they're all nice throughout everybody's very you know hey mark how's it going hey mark good to see you. you know as they walk by me you know i'm seeing wherever they're going again it's just you know this oh my gosh i'm proselytizing and i'm converting oh boy i wish yeah <laughs> I, I wish that, that what they were accusing me of was actually true because that would be awesome
0: can you give us some background mark what are some of the things that team Chaplin does
3: but well, you know what, uh, I'm glad you said it that way, but I'm going to correct you. I'm not a team chaplain and I, I personally don't know any team chaplain. We are chaplains who provide chapel to the team. And so, uh, the semantics is important. The, uh, the team, the team has nothing to do with me or I have nothing to do with the team. If you were to call up my team and said, Hey, who's your chaplain? Uh, they would probably say, what's a chaplain? Number one. And we don't have one because I'm just a guy who supplies service to those who are interested. And I, I often say it's, it's like the guy who fills the Coke machine. Some people like the product, and so we go and fill the Coke machine. And if anybody's there and if they want it, then, then they're there. But uh, what I do is I, I literally I contact the team. I speak to the entire team. I tell them that this program is available. I see if anyone's interested. And there have been times when I've spoken to the team and said, I'll be here after practice, and I get there and nobody shows up. But if guys do show up and if they're interested, then we start. Then we just simply say, I say to the guy, which one of you will be my contact? And on your invitation, I'll show up. That particular player might say, hey, you know, Tuesday after practice works. And so I'll show up Tuesday after practice. I will literally wake the hallway and uh, just find an empty table, an empty locker room. And um, that particular player will, you know, just let the team know that I'm available. And I get one guy, I might get 15 guys. When they show up, yes, then we do go through a little uh, mini Bible study or sermon or looking at uh, the claims of God and um, ask, you know, any questions. They usually don't have any. And then I say goodbye. From there, sometimes, players do have questions, and then we take it offline, and we go to Starbucks two days later or something, and and then we can chat. What I do is I show up, have somebody there letting the the team know I'm around, and uh, then whoever shows, I do, you know, give them a little bit of of God, and hopefully uh, I let the Holy Spirit take it from there.
0: Well, that is an important distinctive between being a team chaplain and a chaplain providing just a service to your team.
3: Exactly. I get nothing. I mean, I, and I, I mean that. I mean, name it. I don't get it. I don't get tickets. I don't get. I don't get paid. I don't get a parking pass. You know, I don't get a swipe card so I can get into the rink. I don't get. You name it. I don't get it. I'm just a guy that the leagues and uh, the NCAA has just simply said, "Hey, if the team wants you there, just like a again, like a Coke vendor. Hey, if the team wants a Coke machine, let them have a Coke machine. If the team wants this uh, stranger given chapels." If they don't mind, then there you go. Uh, we're not associated with the team in any way, shape, or form.
0: And that's interesting that you don't get anything because some of the complaints involving some of these football programs allege that the schools are, quote-unquote, paying the chaplains in such a way as providing an office or complimentary right. game tickets. And, you know, so many of those games, they give away tickets for any number of different reasons because they're they're not sold out. Do you think these schools should go out of their way to not provide tickets or, or anything else for that matter to avoid the possibility of being viewed as improper benefits?
3: Personally, I don't think so, because if I understand the detractors of chapel, the opponents of chapel, they want freedom, and they don't want pressure on anybody to live a certain way or worship a certain way. And so if, if there's true freedom, then I think the schools should be able to, like you said, give those tickets to whoever they want, and whether it's the local boys and girls clubs or the YMCA or the guy or girl who happens to be the chaplain, I don't think that's a problem because, like you said, it it they they are given away, and there is a certain amount of uh, tickets that are available. You know, now bu- buying the chaplain two season tickets now that's a different story. If on this particular game or that particular game. Uh, the chaplain gets a free ticket. Uh, I, I just don't see, you know, that we're, we're beyond the realm of common sense if we start arguing that.
0: Have you ever been in a situation or perhaps you know of another team chaplain who was in a situation where someone actually objected or complained about their presence with the team?
3: Uh, yes, I have. Uh, not myself personally, but I do know of other chaplains, and it's unfortunately uh, when it has crossed the line. For instance, I never go in a locker room, even when the team says, "Hey, come on in." I don't go uh, because I just say, "You know what? I'm I'm going to stay out here." When I ever, whenever I have been in a locker room, it's been like after hours. It's been, you know, the one guy basically taking me on a tour. But I don't go in the locker room. I don't. I don't give a pre-game speech. I don't give an after-game speech. I'm, you know, we're totally we're we're separate. Uh, we're allowed to be there. Again, in my illustration, just like the Coke machine is allowed to be there. But we're not uh, going in the room, and and if you will, being part of the team. When there's been friction, it's because people have been they have they've crossed that line, and they've been in the locker room, and they've been doing um, chaplaincy, if you will, during work hours for these for these assets. And um, I think that the the chaplaincy should be um, you know when they're not at work. So like I said, I always do it after a practice. They're done, and they can go anywhere. And so the fact that we're in the rink, the building itself, is just a convenience, but it has nothing to do with the matters of the team.
0: If a team's roster had a number of players who were part of another faith, do you think most schools would be willing to bring in a faith leader of of that faith, or, or would they simply cut off access to everybody and force players to find support and worship opportunities on their own?
3: I think they would do the latter. I think they would just cancel it. I wish they would do the former. I have I'll say I'm not afraid of competition, so to speak. Uh yes, if there's somebody from a different faith that uh, would would prefer a, a different chaplain, I think that's great because especially at the elite level, these teams, uh, the players are provided with so much, you know, tutors and nutritionists and dietitians and strength and conditioning coaches and uh, you know, different things. If a player wants to uh, utilize the nutritionist, well, then there's the availability, but they don't have to. So I would prefer that they would bring in multiple guys of different faith, but I think the reality is they would just punt and say, you know, you're all gone and figure it out on your own.
0: Yeah. I want to ask you another question. This has absolutely nothing to do with the topic we've been discussing, but Zach and I have been talking a lot about. Uh, the NHL deciding to put sponsorship ads on jerseys. Uh, strictly as a hockey fan, Mark, and, and someone who's been around the game for a great deal, do you like that idea of ads on jerseys to increase revenue?
3: Uh, personally, I don't. I, uh, I think it just looks, doesn't look good. Uh, I mean, I would even go back many years ago uh, to the to the blank dasher boards just to have the white boards, but now they're filled with, with ads and sometimes ads on the ice. And so I, I would imagine that the NHL probably will go that route as the European teams have done. I'm not a fan of it. It doesn't bother me, but I do think that uh, if the NHL could, in a sense, have a different level, a different standard, and um, probably I don't think they need to do that, uh, I think that would be better.
0: Mark, I want to thank you for coming on. Your perspective on this is great. You gave us a lot of good insight, um, good things to think about. With the new season coming up soon, is there anything we can keep in prayer for you?
3: You know what, I would just say uh, for favor, as I uh, I think of Daniel had uh, with the palace guard, you know, especially in light of the subject that we're talking about, maybe some of the people will be a little skittish to just have me around, uh, you know, not, not wanting to rock the boat or not wanting to cause attention or something. So I would just I would just pray for for favor, whatever that means. If it's with the whole team, if it's with a few guys, if we meet at the rink, if we meet off-site, uh, none of that really matters. Those are just details. But uh, it would be great if there were a need, a personal need for uh, players or coaches or staff in these teams to just say, you know what, in, in spite of all this, uh, this is important, and uh, I need I need this. So that's what I would pray for.
0: That's Mark Porpilia. He's with Hockey Ministries International. And Mark, thanks again for coming on with us. Thanks for having me. Another issue that comes up from time to time, seemingly more and more, is the issue of homosexual athletes in professional sports. The most prominent was of Michael Sam, I would think. And we talked about Michael Sam and the fact that he's not in the NFL. I believe it's because he's not a good enough football player. And I'll explain my point here in the segment, but if he was, he'd be on a roster. Mm-hmm. Now, he seemed to think it was because he was a homosexual that he's not in there, and we use that occasion to talk about personal accountability. You can go back to when Michael Sam first started making some news. Uh, Benson and those guys were still on another station here locally in Rochester, New York.
1: That was our first show, actually, wasn't
0: it? Was that our very first show? That was our first show. Oh, that had to be awful. This is awful. Imagine how much more awful that one was. We thought that talking about that
1: issue might might make it our only, Joe.
0: The NFL draft was coming up. There's much speculation regarding if and where Sam would be selected. But each of us on this show were supportive of Michael Sam. Perhaps not his homosexual lifestyle, but certainly of his right to have that homosexual lifestyle without risk of abuse or ridicule and not to be denied employment as a result of his sexual preferences, yes. We here at a faith-based radio program were supportive of Michael Sam. That being said, we also identified that any potential employer also had certain rights. They had the freedom to decide for themselves that if they wanted to pass on Michael Sam because they felt like a media frenzy would come along with it, that they had the right to make that decision. Yet we also knew that if Michael Sam had the necessary talent, a skill set which teams could not pass up, then the distractions would not matter, and he'd be playing in the NFL. But quite simply, Michael Sam does not have those talents. Every NFL team passed on him six times. Maybe there's a couple of teams in there that didn't have a pick one, one round or two but you know what i'm saying for the most part every nfl team every nfl team passed on him at least once most probably passed on him six times because he did not have the skill to play in the nfl the st louis rams finally drafted him in the 7th round they ended up cutting him because he did not have the necessary skills to play in the nfl the dallas cowboys picked him up worked him out gave him a shot but it didn't work out why because he did not have the necessary skills to play in the NFL. I have nothing against Michael Sam. Nobody associated with this show has anything against Michael Sam. For crying out loud, we were rooting for him to succeed because by doing so, it allowed us an opportunity to prove that we're rooting for him without regard to his homosexual lifestyle. That's the only thing we disagreed with. We believe that to be sinful, but we love the guy. We love the athlete. That's his choice. I respect his right to make that choice and live that lifestyle, and his success in the NFL would provide us an opportunity to continue that conversation. And by the way, as much as I have fun saying that Tim Tebow plays for God's team and pointing out what a winner he is and every team should pick him up, it's clear he doesn't have the necessary skill set to play in the NFL either. I'm glad both men got the chance, but ultimately both men failed. They didn't make the cut for no other reason than they did not possess NFL-caliber talents. Tim Tebow's not in the NFL, not because he's a Christian, but because he's not an NFL-caliber quarterback. Michael Sam is not in the NFL, not because he's a gay man, but because he does not possess NFL-caliber talents. You can go back to the original broadcast for yourself. Every word that we've uttered on the air is archived on our website, btgprogram.com. We've supported Michael Sam. Even, I didn't say a thing when he quit the CFL and walked out on a Montreal team that gave him yet another opportunity to play football professionally. Sam saying at the time that he was suffering from mental health issues. But, but I cannot support Michael Sam, who up until now has handled the pressure and media focus that comes with being the only openly gay player drafted by an NFL team, I cannot support the man going on the Dan Patrick show and suggesting the ridiculous notion that he might still be playing professionally today if he hadn't announced a sexual orientation prior to the 2014 NFL draft. Sam said, probably it probably would have been better for me if I didn't come out. I would be on a roster.
1: That wouldn't make him any better at playing football.
0: He also added, we came out a little too early for my taste. I wanted to come out right after I made an NFL roster. I'm not sure what I think about that. To me, that that seems a little bit deceitful. Maybe that's a harsh word. So let's say there's, there's less than full disclosure. I think, don't you think an employer should have that knowledge? If you're about to come out, as soon as you get on the roster and and you're going to make an announcement of that, that's going to draw some attention. That's going to draw a a media circus. I think an an employer has a right to know that. But if you want to disagree, I, I can see that side a bit as well, too. And I won't argue it. It's not really the point. My point is, had Michael Sam waited to announce to the world that he was gay, He simply would be a seventh-round draft pick who didn't make it, who's now a free agent, and that is gay. He wouldn't be on an NFL roster. Nothing would change. All that would be different is he'd be a guy that tried out, didn't make it, and came out as a gay player. Listen, here's the thing. Don't force other people to carry your baggage. You do it. But before you get all irate and offended, I'm not referring to his homosexuality as baggage. I'm referring to his inability to face the facts as baggage. Don't blame somebody else. Don't blame circumstances. Face the truth. You didn't make the team. That's it. And what bothers me the most about this is Michael Sam wanted to be known as a football player. He didn't want his sexuality to be an issue. Please stop making it an issue. Thank you. Bro, you say that you were surprised. Michael Sam says he was surprised that so many people in the media knew he was gay before his official coming out announcement in February of 2014. But he admits to Dan Patrick it really wasn't supposed to be public. It was supposed to be just the team, as I did at the
1: University of Missouri. My man, what did you expect? How many didn't he look up Oprah to get a reality show like? How can you say you didn't want it to be public when you were trying to get a show about it? It just, the comments that he's been making recently seem kind of counter to what we've thought all along. How how many players are on a football
0: team? Man, I can tell you, if you tell three people a secret, you could be sure half the world will know it before long. So why are you surprised by that? Sam also told Patrick that he's currently pursuing a master's degree in studying sports broadcasting back at the University of Missouri. Should a future career on the gridiron not pan out? Listen, I get it. You're still fairly young. You keep working out. Maybe you keep improving. Maybe. Maybe you can still make it. But I wouldn't count on it. The reality is that the skills are not there. With each year that passes, it becomes more difficult and more unlikely that a team's going to take that chance. And when whatever happened up there in Canada, when you quit on a group of guys because of mental health issues, I wouldn't be expecting to call anytime soon, so keep studying. I'm disappointed in Michael Sam for no other reason than it's, than it's him who's now making his sexuality an issue. It's he who's blaming others and saying that because of his sexuality, he's not on an NFL roster. And I, man, you can be sure that if Michael Sam could play at an elite level that is the NFL, then Michael Sam would be on a roster. He should know that. Come on, Michael, Sam, you're better than that. And one of the things that really frosts my fanny, when someone will not up to their own situations, man, you're responsible for yourself. Expecting someone else to carry your baggage for you is insulting. The Bible speaks to personal responsibility in Ezekiel, chapter 18, verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the Father suffer for the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. The points also made in the New Testament with the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, what so, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Yet people try to avoid their personal responsibility, most often by shifting blame to people or circumstances around them. You can think of Adam in the garden who tried to blame Eve. Pilate tried to wash his hands of the responsibility of the crucifixion of Christ. Matthew twenty-seven twenty-four. he says, I'm an innocent. I'm innocent of this man's blood. Basically say it's your responsibility is what he was telling the people. But ultimately you are responsible for your own deal. Be sure that your sin will find you out Numbers thirty two twenty three. It's that phenomenon of trying to blame anyone or anything other than taking responsibility ourselves that makes salvation so difficult. Unless we come to the place where we are willing to admit our own guilt for our own sins and forgiveness is not possible. Each one of us has a personal responsibility to acknowledge our sinful condition and to, as Mark 1.15 says, repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel, simply enough, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of which was done for you. If only you take enough responsibility to confess your sins, ask forgiveness, and place your faith and trust that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was for you, and that it is sufficient for God's forgiveness of sins. We must all have enough personal responsibility to exercise a faith in Christ. This has been Beyond the Game, shows brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can give them a call at 585-426-5024. This has been a best-of edition of Beyond the Game. We have another best-of for you next week as we play some of our favorite interviews and segments taking a little less time in the studio a little more time with our families we hope you're enjoying your holidays merry christmas happy new year this is beyond the game